Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. For the past few weeks, we've been talking about a trip that Eric, myself, and a friend of ours, Trevor Wolf, made in the summer of 2022 to some very important historic sites that are very dear to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We began in Nauvoo, Illinois, and then we drove to Kirtland, Ohio, and then we moved on to Palmyra, New York. Today we're going to talk about our experience in Palmyra. We are still there. We ended our show on Friday talking about our visit to the Hill Cumorah Visitor Center, and of course the Hill Cumorah is the area where Joseph Smith claimed that he retrieved the gold plates that were later translated into the Book of Mormon. The date is Wednesday, July 20th, and we are visiting the Smith Farm, which is near the Sacred Grove. The Smith family lived in a log cabin for a while, and it was here in this log cabin where the angel Moroni allegedly appeared to Joseph Smith in an upstairs bedroom. Now, this cabin, of course, is not original. Cabins, as we learned when we were in the Peter Whitmer cabin, our tour guide told us that cabins lasted about 50 years. And so, of course, this is not the original cabin. It was reconstructed around 1998. In fact, it was dedicated by then-President Gordon B. Hinckley in 1998. And it's supposed to be a replica of, of what it looked like and how large it was when the Smith family lived there. You go upstairs, and there's this large room, and there's a number of beds there. So it doesn't give you the impression that Joseph Smith had his own bedroom at all. But it was here that the angel Moroni appears to Joseph Smith and tells him about the gold plates. Joseph Smith gives an explanation of what took place that night when he says in his history, this would be verse 30 in the Joseph Smith history, While I was thus in the act of calling upon God, I discovered a light appearing in my room, which continued to increase until the room was lighter than at noonday, when immediately a personage appeared at my bedside, standing in the air, for his feet did not touch the floor. Verse 31 says, He had on a loose robe of most exquisite whiteness, It was a whiteness beyond anything earthly I had ever seen, nor do I believe that any earthly thing could be made to appear so exceedingly white and brilliant. His hands were naked, and his arms also, and a little above the wrist, so also were his feet naked, as were his legs a little above the ankles. His head and neck were also bare. I could discover that he had no other clothing on but this robe, and it was open so that I could see into his bosom. Verse 32 says, not only was his robe exceedingly white, but his whole person was glorious beyond description and his countenance truly like lightning. The room was exceedingly light, but not so very bright as immediately around his person. In verse 33, Joseph Smith says that this personage called him by name and said unto him that he was a messenger sent from the presence of God 
to me, and that his name was Moroni, that God had a work for me to do, and that my name should be had for good and evil among all nations, kindreds, and tongues, or that it should be both good and evil spoken of among all people. Now, verse 34 says this, He said there was a book deposited, written upon gold plates, giving an account of the former inhabitants of this continent and the source from whence they sprang. He also said that the fullness of the everlasting gospel was contained in it as delivered by the Savior to the ancient inhabitants. That would be the ancient inhabitants of this continent. Smith also claimed that this same angel told him not to show these plates to any person, neither the breastplate with the Urim and Thummim, that would be buried with the gold plates, but only to those to whom I should be commanded to show them. If I did, I should be destroyed. And Bill, we have photos from our trip that we have on the website, mrm.org slash Nauvoo-trip, and we have a picture of the bedroom you're talking about. Well, the reason I bring that up is because it seems like the big miracle, if there was a miracle at all that took place in this cabin, is the fact that the angel Moroni, who is bright as noonday, having a conversation with Joseph Smith in the middle of the night, doesn't seem to wake up any of his siblings. Uh, He's having this conversation with Smith, and he shows up three times that night. It was over the evening of September 21st and 22nd in 1823. An interesting experience happened while we were visiting there. As we were getting ready to go down the path towards what's known as the Sacred Grove, where Joseph Smith was supposedly visited by God the Father and Jesus, there was a family that was with us. We had kind of joined late to this group. We had just gotten there, and we were told if we had kind of moved in, we could join this group. It was a family, and the tour guide was taking us around. And, of course, the question was asked, where are you from? And Eric and I will say, well, we're from Utah, but we make it very clear that we're not members of the church. Now, I know that causes some suspicions among some of the people that are there. Because why would you be visiting these sites, especially if you're from Utah, but you're not a member? But we wanted to be perfectly transparent. We did not try to pass ourselves off as members of the church or even possible investigators who might want to join the church. One of the young men in this family comes up to me, and he asked me an interesting question. And He asked basically what we were doing, and I told him that we were visiting a number of historical sites. We find this religion to be very interesting. And he asked me, how has your experience been, or how is your experience? Um, that opened the door for me to talk to him about some of the things that we had seen and heard. I kind of shrugged my shoulders, and I went, well, there's some things that really concern me. And I explained to him very briefly how I did have an understanding of Mormonism, and that's why some of the things that I was hearing, seeing, and not hearing were of concern to me. As I'm having this very short conversation, we're walking towards the path to this sacred grove. His family is standing in front of a sign several feet away. At this point, a person who I assume was his older brother, much taller than him, comes towards us and stands right in front of him, stopping him as I'm continuing walking. And he says something about, this is supposed to be a family experience. This is what he says to, I'm assuming, his little brother. 
And I thought, this is really odd. Well, I didn't want to cause any kind of a scene, so I kept on walking. But I could tell that this brother was not too happy with this young man talking to me. Why that would concern him, I have no idea. Uh, we talked about it later in the car, Eric. You were wearing an MRM.org baseball cap, but you had your sunglasses in front of the logo. When we go outside, perhaps you took your sunglasses off of your baseball cap and put them on. Maybe he saw that. Maybe they looked it up on their phone. I don't know. But all of a sudden, this family was not too friendly towards us. And this brother certainly was not too friendly towards his younger sibling. There goes free agency for you. Yeah, he stops him and he's having this conversation and I'm walking ahead and the family kind of ignores us, I guess you could say, as we walk by. But we kept on going towards the Sacred Grove. I don't know what happened as a result of all that, but that was just one of the strangest things uh, that day. We do know this. After our tour guide had asked us where we were all from and such, this young man had said that he was a former missionary. In the conversation that I would have with him, he would explain to me that he served in that particular area. One of the theories that I had, and I could be completely wrong on this, but it's not uncommon sometimes when Latter-day Saints go on their mission that they tend to learn a lot about their church that they may not have learned before they went on their mission, and this tends to cause some doubts for some Latter-day Saint missionaries. I wonder if perhaps this was the situation here, that this family was visiting these sites, this family experience, as it was called, because this young man may have been having some doubts about his faith. That could have been the case. I have no idea. I've heard stories like that, and for me personally, I remember having an experience talking to a young man at the Mormon Miracle Pageant who told me that when his faith was wavering, his mother would have him go to the pageant, hoping that what he saw and heard would bolster his faith and encourage him to stay in the Mormon church. We went into the Sacred Grove, which is nearby the Smith home. Now remember, while the Smiths were living in the cabin, this would have been the time when Joseph Smith claims that this revival took place in the Palmyra area. In the spring of 1820 is when he claims to have had his vision. Now, we know from records that there was no revival in 1820. The revival that he describes took place in 1824. Now, they don't give you, of course, a lot of those kind of details. The church still insists on holding to this spring of 1820 date, even though the 1820 date cannot possibly be true. And you might ask, well, why couldn't it be true? Because the details that Joseph Smith gives us in his history, we know those details did not take place in 1820. They took place in 1824. And this messes up Joseph Smith's timeline, because remember, it was at this cabin in 1823 where the angel Moroni supposedly appears. So if the timeline is corrected, that would mean that the angel Moroni is showing up before Joseph Smith has his so-called first vision in this sacred grove. Now, there's nothing special about this quote-unquote sacred grove. It just has a path through it. And I'm sure a lot of Latter-day Saints feel that this is a very special area because this is where God the Father and, and Jesus Christ showed up and told Joseph Smith that all the churches were wrong, I know this is a very special place for them. Nothing really significant for us as non-members, but certainly it is for Latter-day Saints. 
Now, I want to mention before we close that Joseph Smith, in his Joseph Smith translation, does something with Exodus 33, 20. Now, remember, Joseph Smith claims he sees both God the Father and Jesus in this alleged first vision. But in Exodus 33, 20, in the Joseph Smith translation, this is God speaking. In verse 20, it says, And he said unto Moses, Thou canst not see my face at this time, lest mine anger is kindled against thee also, and I destroy thee and thy people. For there shall no man among them see me at this time and live, for they are exceeding sinful. And no sinful man hath at any time, neither shall there be any sinful man at any time that shall see my face and live. But yet we find in Joseph Smith's history, before the angel Moroni shows up, he admits that he was left to all kinds of temptations. He fell into many foolish errors. He was guilty of levity and sometimes associated with jovial company, not consistent with that character which ought to be maintained by one who was called of God as I had been. So he is, in, he is admitting he is engaged in sinful practices, though not serious, he says. So that makes us ask the question. If, in fact, Exodus 33.20 should read the way Joseph Smith has it, how does he see God the Father and live to tell about it? Well, the answer is quite simple. In the early years of Mormon history, Joseph Smith wasn't telling the story that he was visited by God the Father. He would insert the story of God the Father showing up many years later. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.